Welcome to the Disability and Podcast, bringing together thoughtful discussion and debate. This month, Mind the Gaps associate producer Paul Wilshaw chats with researcher and playwright Daniel Folds about the merits and demerits of Disability Pride Month. They also look at how it feeds into the wider community. Hello and welcome to the Disability and Podcast. I can't actually believe I'm saying this, but this is the Disability Anne's 50th podcast. Today, listeners, it's going to be a bit different. Today we will be talking about disability pride. But both me and my guest today um, have different opinions on this. So um, we'll be asking each other questions about this topic. Uh, my experience of being the Master of Ceremonies at Disability Pride Parade in Chester in July and having a fruitful conversation all about Disability Pride Month. Why it is or why it is not needed anymore. So please introduce yourself. Hello everyone, I'm Daniel Folds and I am a writer and researcher with Williams Syndrome and do have a learning disability. I've known Paul for about nine years now, haven't we? Yep, nine long and very great years. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's great, great. Uh, we met through Mind the Gap, and we have both always had quite interesting opinions that are similar, but diverging different things. And this, as Paul said, this is going to be one of those times uh, which bears fruit some very interesting conversations. So shall we start and I'll ask you what pride means to you? So pride means to me is to celebrate. To have pride in yourself is something I think a lot of people don't have. And um, I know they're saying um, there's pride before a fall. And I do get that. Um, But I also feel that I'm proud that I'm still here. I'm still alive and that I'm able to live and work um, where part of my learning disability and disability history, people would be put away in homes and in hospitals. So I'm proud to be part of the learning disabled and disabled community. I also feel that it's a chance to educate people. Um, there's a lot of hate crime still happening in England and around the world. And Disability Pride Month is in July in most countries. And this it's not just an England thing or a UK thing. This happens in other countries as well. So, But I know that you have a different opinion to me on this topic about Pride. So... Can you um, tell me your opinion? My opinion is different because I do not understand sometimes. I think it's because I've got a very literal brain in terms of why do I want to have pride in this. Um, I'm of the opinion that if there was, say, a magic wish or a magic solution medically from doctors, that they could cure quite a lot of the things that mean that there are going to be barriers for me to have to overcome i would take that cure or to make that wish quite easily and make sure there are less barriers in the future whether that is financial physical 
emotional or even mental health wise i do not necessarily have any pride that i have a disability and i don't fully understand why i need to um feel like i need to have pride in myself i feel like it's a bit narcissistic in my personal view um, okay, can you explain to the listeners what that actually means? When I when I mean narcissistic, I mean uh, I feel like it's a bit too much self praise and self self love, and I, I I'm I'm not a very vain person. I I like to think, and that's kind of where that comes from in a lot of ways. But at the same time, I also don't necessarily know my self worth sometimes as well. But I think that's a journey everyone goes from, if you're disabled or not. And that's uh, that's probably a different conversation entirely in a lot of ways. Um, but I think it does all somehow link back to having pride uh, in yourself uh, as well. Yeah, I get that fact of that self-love and all that. Um, and I think it's really interesting you said the word self-love because I think there's a lot of times where we don't actually think about ourselves. I think around the mental health side, what she said about, and I think that's a really interesting thing of, um, personally, and I'm going to divulge this to my the listeners here today, that I also have mental health. I suffer from depression. But I feel that I'm also able to be proud about that and be able to say, and I think that's also really about the stuff around pride is to say we make up, I think the statistics was 14.1 million people of the UK is disabled. Yep, it's one in four, I believe it is, that have a disability and one in five of those have a learning disability. I feel that that's really important, but that's the thing about pride is it's a coming together, but also to educate. And it's an opportunity to educate people. I think sometimes we are scared to say about, about topics around disability. We're kind of, oh, yeah, it's those people over there. Or whatever minority you're in, if you're part of the LGBTQI um, plus community, if you're part of... Do you think there's a fear of cancel culture as a result of if you sometimes speak about the almost the elephant in the room kind of situation? As a result, it's it kind of that sort of fear stops people sometimes in asking questions or feel like they can ask questions. I think there is a fear of asking questions, especially to disabled people. I think there's still this. I can't say this because I might offend. A lot of the times, if you ask people then they'll rather be offended but also be able to give you an answer rather than you just staring or not asking anything. Yeah, I mean, I mean my, my partner, she's visually impaired and she's exactly of that opinion that she would rather someone ask than stand and stare. It annoys her to no end. And it, it also means confrontation can sometimes happen where it isn't necessarily needed. Exactly. I'm going to talk about a thing that I was part of recently. Yes, you were going to talk about your uh, role in the uh, Disability uh, Pride Parade in Chester and how it feel, felt to be a part of the community, of the disabled community, or even a community, I suppose. So this is an event that's held by Kaleidoscope and Storyhouse Theatre. The event had been going for four years, um, 
it's run for five days. So there's different events happening. So one of it is a disco. There's um, a karaoke day, arts, um, some films. There is also tables with merchandise on it. There's a, a kaleidoscope and storyhouse disability pride t-shirt that I've got, which I'm so happy about. I love the shirt. It's colourful. It's bright. It says 2023 on it. And also at the far end of the theatre, there was these information desks. Um, and they had people like the NHS was there. And and organisations to explain if you've had bad experiences of doctors or um, the health profession. And they would write down what's happened and actually put in a formal complaint in for you if you've had a bad situation. Was it an accessible way to do it there, Paul? Storyhouse was brilliant at making sure that uh, we try to make it as accessible as possible, I think. You can't always make everything accessible for everyone. I think this is another major thing of that people and places try and be accessible for everyone. You can't be one person's access is another person's barrier. You've got you can try your best and you can see what the communities ask for at your events, but um, it also comes down to you as an organisation and what you can actually afford. Events don't come cheap and are run basically on a shoestring. I would love to see more money put into events like this. I feel passionate about that and I want to see a change in that. I want to see local businesses and local um, charities support events like this because if you support your local community, then they're going to come into your shops, they're going to come into your businesses, they're going to support what you are promoting. So if you support them, they support you. Do you think there's enough support in local governments or um, central government for disabled people and disabled voices being heard? It's a really interesting question. I think, in all honesty, I think the system is a broken system. I think... There's a lot of things that could be changed um, to support disabled people. I think local government, uh, local councils, I do feel sorry for them because I think uh, you can only do what money the government gives you. They've got a lot of different priorities. Uh, it's a choice. A lot of things are about choices and the benefit system is not working for people. It's stopping people from getting work. And the whole point is if you get to see what people into work, but also understand about the benefits that they're on, you're going to get society in a better position. It is also worth noting that our country is probably the only country with a system, a benefit system, as open and with as much money as it has pumped into it for people to be able to survive and live. Uh, it, 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 we're definitely ahead of quite a lot of countries in terms of access in that regard and also being able to live independently. And I think that does need to be acknowledged sometimes. But at the same time, I do agree with you. It is broken in a lot of regards. Speaking as a 
a an artist who is disabled and does have barriers thanks to having being on the benefit system myself. But what are your opinions on how things could change for the better in that regard? Okay, so I totally agree that we should praise about the benefit system. There's a lot of positive. However, I think what I'm seeing, and I go to other countries and I see other countries and how they're working. Every country has its own problems and everyone, every country has its own successes. But I know people that are on universal credits, for instance, and they are literally telling me that they can't, they are worried about going into acting jobs because they will lose their benefits and they'll lose their houses. Now, how wrong is that? We're losing talented performers because of a system that is meant to celebrate people getting into work. And I think the one thing that we are missing is uh, advocacy uh, as a result of that, uh, and as, as a result of things, uh, not necessarily having the funding and things like that, to be able to have those issues brought forward and have the right support in place to be able to fight for that person in their corner and things like that. Big shout out to organisations like People First who do that sort of things. And we are actually next door to Equality Together um, in uh, Mind the Gap in Bradford who help in that regard, which is a big shout out to them as well. And uh, I'm not wrong in saying you agree with me that those organisations are quintessential. They are so essential and they are actually doing a lot of the job which central government should be doing and it's it's a situation which is quite sad to see because these organizations don't actually get a lot of funding to do the amount of work that they're actually doing and are actually um, causing more problems for those organizations and those organizations unfortunately are going as well so families are having to advocate for disabled people and they don't necessarily know the processes and that, that in itself is dangerous. Exactly. Um, so I think that's... Um, I think there's definitely opportunities of where um, more people should actually have a voice. I think there are top disabled people. I think that, if I remember correctly, in the last four years, there's been a learned disabled mayor in the north. And... I would love to see more disabled people in government speaking up, but I also think there needs to be the right support and advocacy. Just enablers in general, I think, yeah, would be, um, to would be the thing. to do their best work. So, Paul, uh, well, let's go back to uh, Chester. Can you tell us a little bit more about your experience at the Chester Pride event? On the day of the 2022 one, it was scorching hot. It was unbelievably hot and... We actually closed off roads in Chester, which, um, yeah, and we were walking down and um, people had to stop their cars and were honking their horns. It was a great experience just because it was like we were holding people up, but we were like, we are here and we're proud to be here and this is us celebrating it. On the day, I had a really... Uh, there's this uh, person who taught me their story and was like um, a family member had recently died and was like came up to us and was like can I join in this I want to be part of this I want to feel part of something 
and um, we were just like, yeah, join in, join in. It's, you know, it's, we we don't, we didn't segregate anyone. It was like, if you want to join and have a party with us, come have a party with us. It's great. And 2023, because a lot of things had to change because of the weather. So we had scorching, sunny, hot day on the 20, when it was 2022, pouring down with rain in 2023. Um, and so with that one, once again, it's five days event. So I've done some poetry, but I also um, wrote a, uh, said a statement about the arts industry in general uh, called Enough is Enough and it's time for a change. The whole event is also that it's not just a one-off event. Storyhouses, the organisation, theatre that holds it under the umbrella of Kaleidoscope. And there is only two pride parades in the whole of England, and that is the one in Chester and there's one held down in Brighton, which I think needs change. I think there should be more of these events. Do you think there should be in every city? So it doesn't have to be every city, I think. Um, but I think there's more chances for areas or counties to actually adopt it. Um that's just a real celebration of disabled people and non-disabled people together and enjoying a really great time. And I personally felt, okay, this is my one of my communities. Communities is a main thing for me because I feel that I am sometimes don't belong to a community and sometimes I do. This day, I felt part of a community and I was proud to call myself disabled. And I know about you, Dan, and I know that you've also got a project about communities. Yes, my own perspective, I suppose, is very much what the, the play that I've written uh, uh, is about. It's called In Now the Camp. Now, unlike Paul, I've not necessarily had that sense of community with fellow disabled people. And I've always felt like I've struggled to fit in in different places and try to discover a sense of belonging and a sense of community. So uh, I've kind of shared this in a piece of theatre uh, that I've written and that's my community is very much the geeky community and there's an awful lot of people within that community that are autistic or have a learning difficulty as well, either dyslexia or dyspraxia or uh, in general do have some difficulties with their mobility uh, either through disability or through uh, health conditions and th there is a there is a common bond with being interested in various geeky things and things like that which I won't necessarily list uh, for time's sake but there is that sense of kinship the play itself delves into all of this but also talks about the journey of people in a similar position to myself who don't necessarily feel like they're a part of the learning to sell community or the non-learning to sell community and it's just a journey and I think but that's I think that's a very important thing for disability as a whole is is actually a it's a journey of self-acceptance I think sometimes uh, and also just being able to talk to people can be quite hard I think sometimes yeah definitely and uh it's just a brilliant opportunity during disability pride month to be able to do that I think yeah Definitely so. And I think it's really interesting you said around that you feel part of the geeky community, but then you also listed 
that there's quite a few disabled people in that community as well as non-disabled people. Mm. So it's a really interesting thing there. Now we're going to talk, listeners. Um, Dan's going to ask me some questions about, um, well, He's just go ask me some questions, <laughs> and um... fair. It was there's a couple of observations I've had because I've seen some of the photos from the Chester um, uh, Pride events, uh, the uh, disability Pride events, and we had a very quick conversation about this before uh, we started uh, recording today. Uh, it's just a very quick observation. We'd be interested to hear listeners' thoughts on this. But I mentioned there's a little bit of confusion regarding whether or not Disability Pride Month is associated or is a part of the uh, LGBTQ plus community as well, given that we're also f- uh, the month itself is the following month from Pride Month. Uh, and I'm wondering, is there actually some confusion there? I do think the month is very close to Pride Month, so there is some confusion around this topic. Uh, a prime example was that I went to Pizza Express in Chester. I was telling a person about the event and they actually asked me that same question. They said, but I thought Pride was last month. And I was like, yeah, but this is Disability Pride. It's a totally different thing. And they were like, oh, okay. And they were like intrigued by that. But they felt that I think they think exactly like you did, that it's all part of the same thing. Now, from my understanding, and this is just me, um, but I, I, from what I understand, it's a totally different thing, and there's actually a different uh, flag for Disability Pride Month. I don't think a lot of people know that, actually, and I think also that people that are LGBT... Uh, will be a part of... ...will be a part of Disability Pride, and like I said, it was a celebration. It's I don't think people think about it as, oh, yeah, this is about a specific topic. I think they wanted to celebrate being who they are. And I think that's uh, really important to recognise is that if you're disabled or you're non-disabled or you're LGBTQI plus community, you feel part of a minority. And I think these are the opportunities of where we're saying we're not we don't want to be part of a minority. We're in your society. We're still we're here no matter what. So you've either got to embrace us, not embrace us, but understand us, or we're going to go back in cycles of what we've had in the past and that's going to cause more tension and more anger amongst our societies. And Do you think there are signs of that happening there, Paul? I think... There is signs that we are all fighting against each other. I feel that's major signs that we're all fighting for the same attention sometimes. Um, and I think that's sad in a way. I think if we all thought about it, I think it's a prime example of that we all want to be understood, but it's an easy way of dividing people is by putting thought onto a community. And I think that's a really easy way of doing it. And that's how... But I think that's another really important aspect to having Disability Pride Month as well is to help uh, break that uh, kind of thought, thought, those thoughts, those feelings and that way of thinking from happening by actually having disabled faces, voices and uh, just out in the community and seeing that they are people. And I think that's 
one of the core things that people sometimes forget um that disabled people are still people and uh yeah that's just a statement in itself really and wouldn't need to be remembered is there any moment there paul um that you can think of where you kind of had um that moment of absolute pride not necessarily at the pride events but can you give us another example of where you felt proud of it can just be of being paul or having a disability or okay there was an, a question that you asked me before this meeting once it's really interesting that you asked me it, and i really have been thinking about this recently of that um uh, you asked me do i feel proud of being disabled you asked me that question. Now, I've been thinking about this and it's um, it's taken me a while to actually get to a proper answer about it. But I think from when I was at school till 2008, I hated being disabled. I was bullied. I uh, was struggling with my legs, with my speech. But a thing happened to me in 2008, and this person I owe so much gratitude to, and her name is Francesca Martinez, who is a comedian who um, has cerebral palsy, but she calls herself wobbly. I also have cerebral palsy. It was the first time I actually saw a disabled person on stage at my local theatre, and um, she was making fun of having cerebral palsy. Now, for me, being a young so I think I was like 21 at the time, 2008, so yeah, about 21, seeing a um, comedian make fun of her disability but also telling her story was like, okay, I can be proud of having a disability. I can accept it. It might not be something that is I'm going to boast about all the time I'm now going to say that I'm doing it a lot more um, me talking about it um, has also opened up doors to other work in my life but I'm, I wasn't proud I was it actually caused me a lot of distress and for me being open about this so yeah I wasn't proud but I now am so it's been a journey. I think it all goes back to that whole thing of the journey of acceptance, self-acceptance, but also goes back to that whole thing of um, know your self-worth. I think yeah. it's, it's it, again, I, I know I keep saying the same phrase, but it's a journey. I think if you're disabled or not, you go through that journey in some shape or form. And I think it is just worth thinking to yourself, you are, um, you are worth time yeah and you can do things yeah it's just sometimes needing to hear that i think is also sometimes something that's very um important so if there is a listener here uh know that your self-worth you do have some uh value you can do things and people probably do notice it sometimes people just don't say it yeah and that's definitely true and i totally agree if there's anyone listening to this do you know your self-worth? And it doesn't mean you have to have pride in yourself. It doesn't mean that. It means know your own value. Know your own value because uh, as much as people might 
discriminate and all that. Know that you're you're worth it, and you know there's people and things to support as well, and just know that we're listening. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's uh, a very a very good statement, and also on the subject of people are listening. Do you think that we are now starting to head into a direction where disabled voices are being heard a bit more? I hope so. Um, I think it's um really interesting time of um where a lot more people are standing up for their own rights i think and i think that's in every community i think that's workers rights i think that's disability rights i think that's um about uh migrants and all that situation i think it's really interesting that um the voices of people are being heard I don't know how high it is going up the chain of command. So I don't think politicians are as such listening to what um, these groups are saying. Um, I think there's a lot of um, time of where we are literally banging our heads against a brick wall. But I think if we talk to each other and we actually do get these groups together, we're then fighting a a get like the power rather than it just being uh one group fighting um for a cause we should all just join together because i think that's the only way that we're actually going to see change in society and uh with voices like uh, like yourself um and through through hopefully through this podcast it'll hopefully encourage people to actually use their voice or realize they even have a voice that can hopefully make change for the better yeah and i think there's a lot of a uh, brilliant podcast by learn disabled disabled neurodiverse um podcasters out there that are really speaking up and um i think they're really good allies non-disabled and disabled allies as well um so yeah if you're an ally Thank you. If you say a disabled podcaster, also let people know about you. Find let's find ways of promoting each other so that we can um, get these podcasts listened to. And um, yeah, like I said, this is our fiftieth one, and this was not just disability. So this was also uh, mind the gap and disability arts online, but also Grey Eye, who are great. Um, disabled theatre company down in London who have got brilliant podcasts with Disability Arts Online as well. So if you listen to this one, also listen to some of the older uh, podcasts that's on there because there's a lot of fruitful discussions on there. I think my final, well, not necessarily my final question, but it's a it's a, it's a thought I had, uh, a question I had for you for, for using a, of, of language and things like that. What are your thoughts on the various different terms that, uh, describe disability, no, learning disability, neurodiversity. Language is an ever-changing beast. And I think a lot of the time we are stuck in language. And a lot of the time, non-disabled and disabled people get stuck on what words they can and can't use. You never go get it right all the time. No one does. And that's perfectly uh, fine. And that is absolutely fine. Um, but 
also recognise that if you have got it wrong and someone does tell you how they want to describe themselves, use that way of speaking. Um, I know that there's some words um, that are used and I absolutely hate them. Um, but I respect the people that want to use those words. Um, and... And sometimes it is important, though, to call out when people are doing the wrong words as well. Yep. Because I can give you an example of working as a researcher. In the UK, to give context, uh, we use learning disability to describe uh, part of the community. But in other parts of the world, they'll use intellectual disability, yep. which I personally find quite offensive as a researcher uh, and things like that. But I think it is positive to hear that people are listening to to this and wanting to change it worldwide I think yeah but I also think there's a way of understanding what other cultures are saying and why they say that and I think it's a mm. chance for us to actually explore language rather than us saying oh no that's not the right way of using it or this there are people using words that are well, negative but people are now claiming those words back. And I think that's really important to recognise that uh, there's words that some people won't like, there'll be some words that people do like. There's no right or wrong answer. You're a person. This whole thing about pride and being proud and all this, we need to start listening more as a community, as a society, and see what happens. Change the world in little ways and make it a little bit of a better place for everyone. And I think that's a great place for me uh, for, for us to really end that conversation. Yep. And just to say that you don't have to be proud to be disabled. I think that everyone's personal is on a journey. And um, I think, however, that events like Pride and Disability Pride is important to show people we are part of a society whether people like it or not. And if we interact with each other, we'll make this world a better place. So I really want to thank you, Dan, for being on this podcast today. Pleasure to be here. Um, I want to give a big shout out to Disability Arts Online. This was their 50th podcast. Next month will be Disability Arts Online podcast. Um, and thank you for listening. Uh, let's get this podcast to more listeners. Take care, stay safe, and thank you. Thank you. We do hope you've enjoyed this episode of Disability And. Next month, we are delighted to have the blind classical Indian musician, Baluji Srivastav, on the podcast. He will talk about his music, the Innovision Orchestra, and Dotterware, a hands-free device he has invented to allow blind musicians to read music. <laughs>